Whoa, I hope you were dancing at home to that song, I Am Free. There was a bit of dancing and jigging going on in church. It's okay to have fun in church, isn't it? Yes, they all nodded with their face masks. Well, it's a glorious day because something happened a couple thousand years ago when they said, he's not here. And the response is, He's risen. He's risen indeed. This is Resurrection Sunday. So we are just so excited because this day speaks of hope, of promise. It's so much wrapped up in this very special day. So a warm welcome to you joining us. I know some of you today are signing in for the first time and you are most welcome. Fantastic. You can be here online. Others of you are joining here. We've got young ones in. Hands up if you've eaten Easter eggs so far. Yeah. The young ones have already started Easter eggs, so the sugar rush is about to hit them very shortly. So we're in for a treat. But it's an amazing day, Resurrection Sunday. And I'm going to kick off by just reminding us of some of the events that surrounded this particular morning. And for those of you that don't know, just listen to this, because this talks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, following his crucifixion on the Friday, his time in the tomb over Saturday, all the darkness, and then... Resurrection Sunday. So listen to these words. This is Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, and this is in the Passion Translation. At the first light of dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb, when suddenly the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone and sat on top of it. The women were breathless and terrified until the angel spoke to them and said, there's no reason to be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously. Amen. Just as he said he would. Come inside the tomb. See the place where our Lord was lying. Then run and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you this message. I am going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see me there. Imagine carrying that message from Jesus to the disciples. So the women rushed away quickly to tell the disciples, and their hearts were filled with fear and awe and great joy all at the same time. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them, and he said, Rejoice, rejoice. They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped at his feet, adoring him in worship. Then Jesus said to them, Throw off your fears. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will find me. What an incredibly powerful passage of God's word. So let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you that we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Those events as the women made their way at dawn to that tomb, having no idea what they would experience, what they would encounter the stone rolled away, the soldiers motionless, your mighty angel glistening and shining, vibrant like lightning, speaking your words, and then on the way back encountering you 
as they went back to the other disciples to say, get ready, because they would meet you as well. And thank you today we recognize and we celebrate that we indeed ourselves meet you, the risen saviour ourselves, when we receive you into our lives. You long to be with us, to rise up in our lives for us to encounter you. And we pray this morning that we will encounter your presence with us this Resurrection Sunday. We come because of and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, typically on events like today, we have our youth up here, we have our puppets going and everything else, and it's a fantastic, vibrant scene. That hasn't been possible with the lockdown restrictions and all the work to try to pre-record. So what I have done is asked a couple of the lads today who are going to read an Easter poem. So Mate and Ollie are going to come up, aren't you, boys? You're going to read an Easter poem to us. A round of applause for Mate and Ollie. Come on, guys. You can take your mask off. (laughs) Eggs, Bunnies and Spring by Bob Hartman. You might think that Easter is all about eggs. I like looking for eggs, you like looking for eggs. But Easter is less about looking for eggs than looking for something else. It starts with some women, bowed for a tomb. Jesus was dead and armed with perfume. They went before dawn in the deep morning gloom to anoint their friend's body with spices. But when they arrived, the body was gone. The tomb had been opened somehow by someone. But opened by whom and why was it done and where was his body now? You might think that Easter is all about bunnies. Bunnies are quick. I really like bunnies. But Easter is less about quick little bunnies than something much quicker by far. For quicker than bunnies, two angels appeared and dazzled the women, they said. Do not fear. Jesus is back. He's alive. He's not here. Now go tell his friends what you've seen. So quicker than bunnies, the women ran off. They told Jesus' friends, but some of them laughed. So Peter ran back to see for himself and believe what the women said. You might think that Easter is all about spring, things springing to life once again in the spring, but Easter is less about new life in spring than springing to life forever. For when Jesus rose, he had a new body, a living forever, whatever new body, and not dying ever, and clever new body that surprised every one of his friends. He walked in the room, though the door had been locked. It's a ghost, his friends whispered, frightened and shocked. Touch my hands then, said Jesus, feel the nail marks, it's me and I'm really here. But Thomas was missing and thought that his friends were were wrong when they said that Jesus had been. So Jesus came back to see Thomas and then even Thomas believed it was true. You might think that Easter is all about chocolate. I like to eat chocolate, you like to eat chocolate. But Easter is so much sweeter than chocolate, so much sweeter than chocolate by far. For when he'd appeared to 500 more friends, Jesus' time here on earth had come at last to an end. And up through the clouds in the sky he ascended to sit at the right hand of God. Tell the whole world about me, he said as he went. Tell, that, tell them all I'm alive and that shortly I'll send my own Holy Spirit to fill every friend that believes and receives my love. A new life for now, changed and forgiven. A new life forever that just keeps on living. Even after you die, it's the gift I'll be given. Sweeter than chocolate. Fresher than spring. Quicker than bunnies. And better than hunting for eggs. Well done, boys. That was great. Great Easter poem. Chocolate was mentioned, and chocolate's good. I'm sure Jesus loves chocolate, for any of you young ones listening out there, or slightly older ones. But even better is chocolate and Jesus. So if you can combine the two on Resurrection Sunday, I mean, come on, we've got it all going on. So that's awesome. Thanks, boys. Great poem. So you're welcome here today. So I'm going to share what I believe God's put on my heart today for us. 
um, this Resurrection Sunday. And after this, we're going to have an opportunity to worship him ourselves. And that's going to lead us, Margaret and the team, we're going to be able to lift the roof off. And wherever you are at home, we're going to worship him because he is worthy of our worship, isn't he? So, well, we live in a world, don't we, that is full of promises, yeah? Promises from politicians, from media, from scientists, promises we hear regularly. And so many of those promises are empty, empty promises. If you're honest yourself, I'm sure there's times when you've promised to do something and you've absolutely meant it, you've wanted to, but somehow you haven't managed to achieve it. Hands up if that's ever been you. Yeah, for the benefit of those at home, we've all put our hands up. Those times when we want to do something, we said we'd do something, but our promises are sometimes empty. Well, today we're going to be mindful that God's promises are always true. God's promises are always true. Instead of promises full of emptiness, at Easter, God gave us emptiness that is full of promise. And this morning I want to focus on three promises, three amazing truths about God, and each one of them is going to be marked by something empty. You're going to see fullness through something empty. As we're going to journey with those women on that Easter Resurrection Sunday, we're going to take a journey with them and discover the events they discovered. And as we do, we're going to see an empty cross, an empty tomb, and empty grave clothes, and how those empty things and those circumstances are going to reveal fullness for us. And the very fact they are empty signifies the fullness of God's promises. So you're ready to go on a journey. So picture yourself on that first Resurrection Sunday, or on the way to an empty cross. Imagine it, it's dawn. The women walking quietly along. They follow Jesus faithfully, and now they're on their way to where he was buried, the tomb where he was buried. The conversation is subdued. They're downhearted. They're moving there in the hope to anoint his body of Jesus with oil and spices. And as they come up to a rise at the path, they stop motionless, quietly, and stare off into the distance. As you look with them, do you see what they see? Because on the hill, the hill known as the skull, they see three crosses. Three crosses as the sunlight rises. Three crosses as an empty reminder of those painful events that they experienced on Friday. Their eyes are drawn to the one in the middle because that's the one I want you to think about today, the cross in the middle. Do you see that cross? That is the one that Jesus hung on but I want you to notice what they noticed this morning because today it is empty. It's empty of Jesus' body, but it is full, full of God's promise, full of a hope for you and a hope for me because the empty cross speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of our fallen, broken lives, a world so wracked with wrong and sin, but it speaks of hope of forgiveness. When you look at the empty cross, it's a reminder of God's promise that through the cross we could be forgiven. In fact, the Bible says nobody, not one of us, is good enough to be loved by God, to be forgiven by God. 
And in fact, if we ever doubt that, if you read the Old Testament, you know there's the Ten Commandments? Well, there's another 600. There's 600 laws in the Old Testament to give you an indication of what you need to be good enough to actually get to heaven without the need of a saviour. So I'm just going to ask you to stand up. If you're able to stand up this morning, you at home as well, just take a stand. And uh, we're just going to see how far we get this morning. So to see how far we'll get along, maybe the top 10 first, and then we'll go down to the lesser 600, if you like. So firstly, let's take a nice easy one. If you've ever lied in your life, I mean, ever told a little bit of a porky pie, ever been slightly dishonest, withheld the truth, anyway, just sit down now. So... um, Oh, wow. I I hope, for the benefit of the um, people watching at home, the church is full of a bunch of liars. Everyone's now stood down. But we'd love to see you. We'd love you to come along. You can trust us safe in church. Some of you at home may still be standing, so we'll move on to the second one. If you've ever stolen anything, and I mean anything, just a rubber or pencil in school, a bit of time from your employer left just a few minutes early, if that's ever you, you sit down as well. Right, everyone at home's now down now. Well, that's great. We've established that everyone here and everyone listening at home is a bunch of thieving liars. Excellent. Welcome to church. Need I go on to the other eight in the top ten or the other commands? No, because that's a reminder that God says all fall short. All of us sin. All of us fall short. And God is perfect. To share his glory, to know forgiveness... We are not good enough, which is why Christ came. Which is why Christ came. In fact, in 1 John 1, 9, it says this. Jesus says, if we confess the wrong in our lives to Jesus Christ, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. And the empty cross speaks that we all need forgiving. Every single one of us. It's a level playing field. We all need forgiveness. We cannot earn it. It is that gift from God. In fact, last Palm Sunday in a funeral I did recently, I reminded, and I remind you again this morning, do you remember the criminal on the cross? A man that had taken another man's life, had a life of wrong after wrong after wrong. He's hanging next to Jesus on that cross on that Friday. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. What hope did that man possibly have of rectifying all the wrong? Yet through the grace, Jesus offers forgiveness. He offers that forgiveness. And he does the same to you and I. It's not based on our performance or our goodness. It's based on his grace. Which is why it says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, it is by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift, not by works. So none of us can boast. We can't boast about how good we are because we all fall short which is why God sent his perfect son to pay the price in full when we receive him. Isn't that amazing? In fact, I came across a story about a young teenage lad and he wanted to generate a bit of income for himself and he figured he could do that via his own mum. So one evening he wrote a handwritten note and he put it in an envelope and handed it to his mum the next day and it had the following list written out for his mum. For cutting the grass... I charge you 10 pounds. For cleaning my room, I charge you three. For going to the shop for you, five pounds. For babysitting my young brother, Martin, that's a tenner. For taking out the rubbish, that's a pound, mum. 
and for helping you pack away the shopping, two pounds, which comes to a total of 31 pounds, I listen in maths. But because you're my mum, I'm gonna round it down to just 30 pounds. So the mum read it and looked at her son, and then she picked up a pen, she turned the paper over, and she wrote her own set of words. For the nine months I faithfully carried you, growing inside of me, the cost is no charge. For the nights I sat up with you, I doctored you, I prayed over you, no charge. For the trying times, for the tears I shed over you over many years, no charge. For all the things I've done for you that you don't even recognize and you may never realize, no charge. For the toys, for the food, for the clothes, for all the other things, the cost is no charge. In fact, son, when you add up all of my love for you, it comes to no charge. Amazingly, as a young teen, eyes, his eyes welled up with tears. He looked at his mum, and then he said, Mum, I'm sorry, I really do love you. Then he took the pen, and he wrote under his own list, paid in full. And that's why Christ came, to pay in full. You can never earn or pay for what your parents do for you in life. And we can never earn what Christ did to us. But the cross says, paid in full. In fact, on the cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That prayer got answered. Son, because you've sacrificed yourself, yes, I will forgive them. Jesus cries out, it is finished. In other words, it's paid in full. For all who receive me can know that forgiveness, that your debt is paid in full. That empty cross speaks of the promise of God's forgiveness, the fullness of forgiveness. Isn't that an amazing truth? An empty cross, the full promise of God's forgiveness. So shall we rejoin the women as they move towards the tomb? What they don't know at this point is that tomb is empty. They're on their way. After pausing briefly, gazing at the cross, reflecting over the events on Friday, they continue down the path towards the tomb. One of them wonders aloud, I wonder who will move away the stone for us when we arrive. After all, the stone placed in front of the tomb weighed some two, two and a half tons. Imagine turning a Range Rover into a block of stone and you get an indication of the weight involved. Not only that, Romans had sealed the tomb. Only Romans could allow it to be opened. Who would move a stone for them? Why were they even going? Weren't there Roman soldiers guarding the tomb? However, in a bit of a daze, they continue slowly on their way, quietly, when suddenly the ground begins to shake. They hold one another and wonder what's happening. For minutes, the ground is shaking. They're nervous, they're fearful. They're frightened when the shaking stops. So they gently move forward, not knowing what to expect. They continue on their way. As they approach the tomb, still unsure of what they've just experienced, wondering what's happened, something even more remarkable happens. They look and see the soldiers there, trembling, unconscious. They think they're dead, but they're not. They seem to be overcome by fear and shock and awe. The stone is moved. A mighty angel is there, glowing like lightning. 
They can't believe their eyes. They're scared. They're nervous. They don't know what to experience. And then the angel speaks. A mighty angel of the risen Lord speaks. Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. The one who's been crucified. He's not here. He's not here. He's risen. He has risen. Can you imagine that news? Jesus has risen. He was alive. The tomb was empty. What a tremendous promise that holds. Everything says that is an impossible thing to happen. But God was still working. From the events of Good Friday, the darkness of Easter Saturday, as Jeanette shared on Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, God had been moving. The silence of the tomb, the finality of death, it seemed all over for the disciples, but God was moving. And that's a great indication for us in those empty times of life when we are so discouraged, we can't imagine what encouragement feels like. God can break in and encourage us again. When you're with a group of people, yet you feel cripplingly lonely and alone, somehow the promise of the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. God brings a peace and a joy and a hope that makes no sense. It seems impossible, but with him he can do it. He can reach into your struggling family and bring healing and forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. When everything looks impossible, somehow with God the impossible becomes the possible. For those crippled by grief, when we think we'll never see our loved ones again, through God somehow, we learn to live and to laugh again when it just seems impossible. And through the empty tomb, we do see our loved ones again. We can see our loved ones again for all, even at the moment of one whisper that call out to Christ, he prepares a place in glory. And when he prepares a place for them, it means when we go, we see them again. That is the impossible that is possible with our God. That empty tomb signifies the promise of eternal life. Death could not hold him and therefore death does not hold us when we call upon the name of Jesus Christ, even a whisper, the promise of eternal life. Jesus says in John 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's an amazing truth. There's no fear in life, but there's no fear in death either through the resurrected Saviour. That's an amazing truth. An empty tomb is the full promise of eternal life. But it doesn't end there. Because there's some empty burial clothes as well. Back to our story. After the angel appeared to the women and spoken to the women, they begin to run back to tell the disciples, and then they meet the risen Christ. I bet they never thought they'd encounter a relationship with him again, but actually they did, and they fall at his feet, and they worship him. They meet the risen Christ. They run back to tell the disciples, and it says Peter and John took off running. They took off running to get there themselves. As they entered the tomb, Peter found the burial clothes, but they are empty. He heard the words of the woman, he saw the clothes. And what did it mean? Only one thing, that Jesus Christ was alive. Jesus Christ had risen. In fact, it wouldn't be long before he would appear to all the disciples, 500 other people beside. He would appear to them. That ragtag bunch that were hiding in secret, in corridors, in rooms, frightened to come out, 
when they met the risen Christ, something in them changed. They went off and shared the good news with the world. They were willing to even give their own lives because they had met the risen Jesus Christ. They had relationship with him again. Their fear turned to faith. He would sit with them, walk with them, talk with them. He would even eat with them. Once again, they were able to be with him. Those empty burial clothes signify Jesus is alive and he wants a relationship with you. The first thing he did was connect with his friends again. Et, talked, he wanted a relationship and that's the same offer he brings to each of us. The empty burial clothes speak the fullness of a relationship with our God. What an amazing truth. He's not a nebulous force like in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is a living, vibrant, it's a connecting, relational, family relationship between us and God. That's why becoming a Christian is not a religion or a set of rules. It's actually a relationship. Not just knowing about God, but together as church, learning to know him and to encounter him and experience him a relationship with the risen Christ. He wants to be with us. He knocks. He's knocking on every one of our lives. And once he's knocked, we have a choice whether we open the door. Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It speaks of a God that's willing to spend time just hanging out with you when you eat when you have your Marmite on toast, or you have your Easter eggs. He delights in that stuff as much as all the big stuff. He knocks on the door because he wants relationship. Once we open the door, it also speaks of never being able to escape his presence. There's nowhere we can go, emotionally, spiritually, physically, nowhere in this world where he isn't with us. Psalm 139 says this, Lord, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you are there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. When you open the door to him, his presence is everywhere in your life. And the other promise that he says at that point, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5, listen to this in the Amplified, and God wanted to make it clear that you got this, so he's quite repetitive. For he, God, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So how do we respond? So we take comfort. We are encouraged, and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. When we open the door, his presence never leaving. Everywhere we go, we can encounter his presence. Young or old, he's with us. And those promises, the fullness out of that emptiness for the disciples counts for us today. That empty cross is the fullness, the promise of forgiveness. The empty tomb, the fullness of the promise of eternal life 
and the empty grave clothes, the fullness of the promise of his permanent presence through us, through the highs and lows, ups and downs, twists and turns of life. Maybe today, there's some here in this room or online, and you're coming up empty. You're coming up empty. The disciples were coming up empty in John chapter 21. They're low, they're disheartened, so they go back to doing what they'd done previously. They went back fishing. But even something that they're typically successful for, of typically had lost its spark, and they were coming up empty, catching no fish, until that is the risen saviour, Jesus Christ, turns up on the shore and he calls out to them. At that point, they have a choice. They can choose to ignore the voice, but they choose to turn and they choose to listen. And out of their emptiness comes the fullness of fish, such an abundant catch, filling the boats to overflowing because they listen and respond to his voice. There is an abundance in the emptiness. And one of them, and I love this, do you want to know how Peter responds when he recognises it's Jesus Christ, his beloved Saviour, calling him? Verse 7, as soon as Peter knew it was Jesus, he jumped into the water while the other disciples followed gently in the boat. Don't you just love it? I can imagine him hitching up his gear. You guys can be cool and stay in the boat, but I'm getting wet. And he just jumped in. You can imagine him steaming through the water, stumbling, falling, covered in water, throwing his arms around Jesus, just go, whoa, Peter! And the others are going, just stay cool, lads. The hair looks good in the Galilean sun. But he splashes his way back. And you know what? What a moment. And some of you, you know what? You've drifted away, and why don't you splash your way back? Just splash your way back to Jesus, because he has an abundance for you, a fullness. He'll be with you in those ups and downs. If that's you, can I just say, be a Peter, splash your way back, get water everywhere, and give him a great big hug, because he wants to be in relationship with you. Maybe there's some of you listening here for the first time, I know some of you are. Can I just say, maybe you don't know about jumping right in the water yet, but at least why don't you make a decision to take that first step, just to paddle a bit and say, Lord, I, I don't know all of this yet. It's all a bit of a mystery, but it sounds interesting. Something about what I've heard. Just take a step. Start to get your feet wet and start to say, Lord, I want you to be real to me and make your way towards him, one gentle step after another, because he's calling you. He came for you as much as anyone else. And others of you, if you're already there on fire with him, you're eating with him, you're dancing with him, you're laughing with him, maybe you're crying with him, can I just say, let today remind you of the wonder that you know him. So many in the dark times don't know there is a Lord that loves them. When they come to the end of themselves, they're just broken, it seems so dark, but you know him. Celebrate the fact you know him because he went to the cross for you and he rose for you. So wherever you are today, splash your way back if you've got off track. If you don't know him, just take those tentative steps. Get your feet a bit wet, but keep listening, keep learning, because he's calling you. And if you know him, never take for granted what he's done for you. Never take for granted the cost. It doesn't cost us much at all to receive his kingdom, to receive his glory, his forgiveness. But it cost him so much. So that's why I love Resurrection Sunday. So exciting. So should we pause and pray before we have the opportunity to blow the roof off worshipping our risen King.
Lord, I thank you that you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven here. You came to be with us. You came to show us who God is by you walking, by you talking, by you teaching, by you healing. You know what it is to suffer, Lord, to suffer unfairly. You know what it is to be in pain. You know what it is to be tearful. You know all the pain there is to experience. You understand our pain. And thank you that you offer to come with us, to be with us. And Lord, may we hold on to that truth today, that through that empty cross, it means we can be forgiven. It's not something we earn, but it's something you offer us. Thank you that we can know that forgiveness. Thank you that through that empty tomb, we can know the reality of an eternal life, that we live forever. No fear in life, but no fear in death either. That we pass from this to the next. That we can see those we love again through your sacrifice. And Lord, thank you through those empty burial clothes. It speaks of relationship now. Intimacy with you now. It doesn't mean life will be easy. It won't be easy at times. But that you rise and you walk with us. That you lead us. You shine in our lives. So Lord, we pray a blessing that each of us will know you more intimately, the risen saviour. And we know your presence. We honour you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we come. And in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow. Good news, isn't it, Resurrection Sunday? We're going to worship him in a moment. And... uh, Whatever it is today, ask him to be real. Remember what he's given for us. This is a glorious day. And remember, when you even eat an Easter egg, an Easter egg speaks of new life, new life, and through him we can have new life. It's an amazing truth. So in the meantime, I won't be around next week. I think you've got David speaking next week. Jeanette's hosting, but I'll see you a couple of weeks' time. But in the meantime, have a fantastic Resurrection Sunday and stay safe and stay connected with the resurrected Saviour and with one another, church. Bless you all, and see you soon. Now get ready to worship him. Hallelujah. morning church morning everyone at home let's sing together if we're able to
Yeah. 
church. The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Have a good week. Salvation sounds anew. Alpha Online is a free course designed to give you the space and time to ask the big and often challenging questions about life, faith and meaning. No filters, just honest discussion. To attend an Alpha Online, all you have to do is sign up and then join a weekly online call, all from the comfort of your home. Everything else is taken care of by your hosts. So feel free to pour yourself a drink, get comfy, get your laptop ready, and you are good to go. What have you got to lose? Try Alpha online.